Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I was challenged uh, just in our prayer time before we started uh, in church this morning and um, Dave was praying and he prayed that God would send forth his word and it would accomplish that for which it was set out to do. And that comes from the book of Isaiah. And it says, as water falls from the sky, waters the ground, feeds the plants, it draws up and it produces fruit. So is your word that it goes out from your mouth and it shall produce that for which you intended it to do. That doesn't mean necessarily it's straight away. Sometimes it's got to hit the ground. It's got to soak in. But we've got to allow God's word to grow through, up and in us to produce some fruit. We've got to allow God to do that. And then it will accomplish that for which God intended it to do. So this morning, you're going to get rained on. How's that sound? It's okay. Not literally. The roof is still in good order. We're going to be okay. And uh, we're going through the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount. Now, the Sermon of the Mount is Jesus setting out what he expects his kingdom to be. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. And this is what he begins to say to us, that it's about being different to what you think. For example, our topic this morning, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But doesn't that work the other way around? How do you feel blessed when you mourn? You don't, do you? Jesus is bringing something which is totally alien to the people around him, but they fully understood the concept of what he was saying by the language that he used. He was setting out his kingdom what it was to look like, what it was to sound like, what it was to be part of that kingdom and what you would receive for being part of that kingdom and what was expected of you as being part of that kingdom. Wow. Wow. And an attitude is defined like this. A mode of believing that results in a manner of behaving as David brought to us over the last couple of weeks. So therefore, what I... Very good. So therefore, what I believe affects how I behave and what I will become. Now, you can choose to believe that statement or not, but what you believe will affect how you behave And it will affect what you become. It will. There's no two ways about it. The Proverbs say, As a man thinks and believes in his heart, so is he. Okay. (laughs) We've got the right... It's very good. Right. And Dave gave us this life cycle of... An attitude. And it all starts at the very top up there. Look, got a shiny light. Thought. Thought. And then 
we meditate on that thought. It doesn't mean that we sit there and go, hum. It means that you constantly review it again and again and again, and it stays with you. You meditate on that thought. It stays in your mind. And that then becomes a decision. That decision leads to an action of the thought started off, I'm not good enough to do this. The meditative thought is, I'm definitely not good enough to do this. The decision is, I am not good enough to do this. Then, the action becomes, I am not going to do this, because I'm not good enough. That becomes a continued action of, I'm definitely not doing this, and whenever anybody asks me, I'm definitely not going to do it. That then creates in us a habit. The habit generates the attitude. Oh, why would we want to do that? Nobody ever listens to me anyway. I'm not good enough for this, so what? And it becomes an attitude. And it all starts with a thought. The Sermon on the Mount is all about challenging the beginning thought of what you think is the right way to behave. Jesus challenges the very first beginning thought that you have. And he takes it and he says, don't even think it. As we go further on down the Sermon on the Mount, he says, do not even look lustfully, because then you've committed adultery even in your heart. He gets to the crux of the issue. It doesn't start with the action, it starts with the thought. And that's what it is through the Beatitudes that Jesus is starting this out with us. Okay, so I'm going to read through Matthew 5 and verses 1 to 12. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he seated his when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness." for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you, falsely, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were there before you. And this is what we're looking at today. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. For they shall be comforted. And there is three key words in this. The first one is blessed. Blessed. And the Greek word that is used is markerios. I hope that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> it's going to be close enough. And that's a noun. So a noun is a naming word. Okay. So with that being a noun, the meaning being 
that someone who is divinely favoured, divinely favoured. So that's not saying you get to choose. You are divinely favoured. That word blessed is a noun. It describes what you are, not an action. Not what you will be or what you, will, what you are. Blessed is what you are. Divinely favoured. Divinely favoured. So, divinely favoured are those who mourn. It's, I'm struggling. Divinely favoured are those who mourn. Hmm. So what's the word mourn? This is the second of our three words. And it's a Greek word, pentheo. Pentheo. And it means to grieve. It means to lament over. But it also means to feel guilt. To feel guilt. To grieve is to feel the loss of a loved one. When someone close to us passes away, we grieve for them. We go numb. We cry. We feel pain. We remember them from time to time and it never leaves us, does it? never leaves us. It always remains with us, the memory of those person, but the pain of them not being here anymore, that grieving. To lament over is an expression of grief, a deep expression of grief, but it's also to complain, to lament. Oh, why, Lord, does the world look like it does? Why is my life the shape that it is? What... That's a lament. You deliver out. You make an expression of it that you're not happy. A complaint. And then guilt is a feeling of worry or unhappiness that you have for something that you have done wrong. Now we all fit into these categories, don't we? We all grieve. We all feel guilt. We all complain. Some more than others, but we all complain. So divinely favoured are those who grieve. Divinely favoured are those who lament. Divinely favoured are those who feel guilt. Jesus is setting out the kingdom of God. So why is he saying, blessed are those who mourn? Why is he saying that when you lament, when you grieve, when you complain, you are blessed. The key to it is our third word. Comforted. For they shall be comforted. And that's a Greek word. Parakaleo. Parakaleo. And it's made up of two parts. Kaleo means to call. To come alongside. Para means beside. So the literal translation of the word comforted is beside to call, which makes no sense. To call alongside. To call alongside. 
And comfort is the state of feeling better after feeling sad or worried. So what is it that Jesus is saying? Blessed or divinely favoured are those who mourn, feel guilty, grieve, complain, because I will come and stand beside them. I will come to your aid. I will stand beside you. So divinely favoured are those who grieve, lament, feel guilt. They will feel better with no more worry. That's what that really says. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But it really says divinely favoured are those who are guilty. Divinely favoured are those who grieve. Divinely favoured are those who complain, for I will come and stand by them. I will bring them comfort. So how does it happen? How does it happen? How are they comforted, these people that mourn? Jesus, after the Sermon on the Mount, goes out and is in action of everything he's just spoken about in the Sermon on the Mount. And we read in Matthew 9, verses 18 to 26, about a family. And this family have got a daughter, and their daughter is sick, and she's dying. And the man goes out to meet Jesus and says, come, heal my daughter. So Jesus is on his way, and you can see the frustration in the guy. Come on, we've got to get there, we've got to get there, she's going to die, you need to get there. And a woman touches Jesus and is healed. And Jesus stops and says, someone's touched me because virtue has left me. Someone touched Jesus in faith and was healed. And it slowed down the journey to the girl. And then, one of the servants comes out and says, don't bother the master anymore, your daughter's dead. Oh. But what does Jesus do? He carries on. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And there is professional mourning people already arrived. At the time there were professionals whose job it was to go and cry with a family. Wow, that's a real, a real heavy job. Guys, you want to turn this down just a fraction? That would be great. Okay, a real heavy job. And he gets there, and Jesus says, what are you guys doing? Oh, it's too late, she's gone. Oh, and they're singing and wailing, and oh, the morning. And oh, Jesus just goes, get out. Get out. goes to the little girl and says, it's time to wake up. And that little girl gets up. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus said it, and then he lives it. Jesus said it, and then he lives it. How about those that are guilty? 
the woman caught in adultery. She's about to be stoned to death. And they're saying to Jesus, what should we do with her? Let him, without sin, cast the first stone. And then Jesus says some incredible words to this woman. Who stands and condemns you? Who stands and condemns you? No one. And neither do I. He doesn't let off the hook. (laughs) But he comforts her and says, you're forgiven. He comforts her and says, you're forgiven. I don't condemn you anymore. But go from here and don't do it again. Don't sin anymore. Don't do it again. It's good news for us all, isn't it? What about moaning? Jesus has 12 disciples, one of which is a guy called Simon. And Simon is the guy that becomes Peter, the famous Peter. And he encounters Jesus and Jesus gets into his boat so he can speak to a group of people. Okay? Now, Jesus didn't need the boat because he could walk on water. Imagine that, the sermon on the water. <laughs> Standing there delivering. It. If you want people to listen, walk on water and deliver the message. <laughs> but he gets in the boat. They cast out a little way from shore. He delivers the message. The message is so unimportant that it's not even recorded. We don't even know what the sermon was. <laughs> okay? And then Jesus says, Take your nets and cast them over. Peter complains. We've been out all night and we haven't caught anything. Now the important bit in this is the type of fish that they were catching. Now the type of fish they were catching, they're really ugly, okay? Not that you've got good looking fish, but, you know, particularly ugly fish. Massive eyes. If you were to fish for it in the day, it would sink deep because it would see it coming. That's why they fish for it at night. So the miracle is not just that Peter complained and Jesus delivered, but that the type of fish that they caught shouldn't have been where they are. Not only is it a miracle that they caught the fish, but the fish kept jumping into the net. Once the net was broke, they didn't go anywhere. And they had to call the others over. But it started with a complaint. I've been doing this for so long and I've seen no reward. But Jesus draws near. And they're comforted. Jesus draws near and Peter's complaint is comforted when he sees what it is that when he's obedient to what God is telling him to do that can happen. Wow. What an incredible God. Now, I know what you're thinking. Rob, that sounds great. Jesus came near and helped those who were grieving. That's great. Jesus came near and helped those that were feeling guilty. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's great. Rob, Jesus came near and he did, in fact, raise the dead and stop people from complaining and perform many miracles. But Jesus isn't here. Jesus isn't here. But someone is. But someone is. I'm just going to invite the guys up.
someone is. We're going to go back to our original word for comfort, parakaleo. Parakaleo means comfort or comforted. The word that's often used to describe the Holy Spirit is parakaletos. So, parakaletos is the action of someone bringing help. Parakaleo is the, to stand beside, but parakaletos is someone bringing aid. A helper who comes to bring assistance to us. Our advocate, our counsellor, our comforter. Okay. Jesus uses this word when he says, I'm going to send someone after me. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is going to come and be our counsellor, our aid, our advocate. When we mourn, when we grieve, when we feel guilt for the sins we've committed, maybe. He stands beside us and he brings comfort. He brings comfort. He removes worry. He removes unhappiness. He stills our heart. I heard of a guy in Australia and his son died. His son died. And one night he had a dream and Jesus visited him. And he said that his heart was like glass. It had fell to the floor and had shattered. And Jesus came in, picked all the pieces up, rebuilt his glass heart and put it back in his chest. He said, from that moment I knew that God was with me. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus doesn't leave us. In Holy Spirit, there is nothing but hope. There is nothing but joy. He comes as our counsellor, as our aid, to guide us into everything that we should be living as. He may convict us sometimes of the things we're doing wrong, but never in a way that would bring guilt never in a way that brings shame but to say come on I don't condemn you but let's not do it again let's go to that next level that next level living that Jesus has in store for us you see the words that Jesus used here are packed full of meaning and understanding he knows blessed are those who mourn they will be comforted 
How are you feeling? Are you feeling guilty this morning? Are you feeling grief today? Are you wanting to complain before God this morning of how bad things can be? Divinely favoured are those who grieve, complain and have guilt because Holy Spirit will stand beside you. You will not be alone. You will be comforted. We're going to spend some time now inviting Holy Spirit to come and comfort us, counsel us, spend some time in our hearts. And I'm going to lead us through this next section so you can take the presentation off and we're going to sing a song. And we're not in a rush this morning. We're creating space for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us, to be our counsellor and be our guide. Let's open our hearts to him this morning. We're going to open out our hearts and we're going to invite him in. And we're going to sing together. Now these songs may be a bit new, but they're really easy to get along with, okay? So let's just worship God together. Let's invite Holy Spirit to come and be with us. hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.